Hello and welcome to another episode of Balls and Brew, the flagship sports podcast of the Morgan You Know Podcast Network. I am your host, Rod Morgan. This podcast, as well as every podcast on this network, is produced by Jimmy Jamriska. Thanks to Jimmy. With me, we're going to Carolina in my mind, quote James Taylor. He's with me as always. It's my co-host, Chris King. Hello. Hello, Internet. Hey, Rod. How's it going? Well, you know, it's been an interesting week in the NFL. We will get to that, but let's introduce who else we have with us. If we're talking football, we absolutely have to have our handicapper, our guy, Josh Williams. Josh, hello. What is up, boys? We're on to week six. Actually went 2-0 and in props, so that's good. All right, that is good. That means you didn't trigger the new rule of having <laughs> to pick three props if you went one and one, but Mr. King did go one and one on props, so that's what you have to look forward to on this podcast. You have three props coming from Mr. King. We got three picks coming from Mr. Williams. But first, we have to get to someone who will not be participating in week six, and that is one John Gruden, formerly of ESPN and Monday Night Football Commentary. That's relevant because when many of the emails that are about to come up were sent, that's who he was. I found it quite interesting that ESPN never mentioned that once this entire week when they were doing all of this coverage. But that aside, emails came out that surfaced from John Gruden that are not just a one-off email as he tried to make it sound in his denial non-apology on Friday to be able to coach the game on Sunday. We now have a pattern of behavior. John Gruden has shown himself as to who he is. I need to give no more thought to John Gruden. I'm glad that he is no longer the coach of the Raiders, but I've seen an awful lot of talk out there that disappoints me that in a way tries to excuse and make it part of cancel culture and imply in some way, shape, or form that John Gruden caught a raw deal on this. And folks, that's just absolutely not true. The Los Angeles Raiders organization throughout history has prided itself upon being a progressive organization. The first ever black NFL head coach was hired by the Raiders, Art Shell. The first ever female executive in football, Amy Trask, was hired by the Raiders. You cannot have someone in a position of power the likes of power that John Gruden had with his 10-year contract, being in charge of player personnel, being in charge of assistant coach, being in charge of training staff, being in charge of so many different people who is openly misogynistic, racist, and homophobic. You also have the first openly gay player on a roster and Carl Nassib on that very team. We have decided in 2021 that people do not have to be subjugated to a workplace of that kind of hostility and that kind of uncomfortableness. And for that reason and that reason alone, John Gruden can no longer be employed as the head coach of the Raiders. So don't get tripped up on cancel culture. Don't get tripped up on asking yourself, what would my emails from 10 years say ago? And do we really want to live in a world where people's emails mean something don't get tripped up on any of that stuff. A pattern of behavior has shown itself. That's the key here. Hostile workplace environment, that's the other key. It's not cancel culture. It's not feel sorry for John Gruden. It's yay for the Raiders. Let's move on because all of this occurred during the very weekend the NFL was launching its The NFL is for Everyone campaign, and this was the best way for them to actually prove it. Now, gentlemen, I'm not going to ask you a direct question about John Gruden, but if you feel that there's anything that you want to address about the situation, that there's more of what I just said, the floor is yours now. Otherwise, we will move on to the rest of our business. The only thing that I would add, I think I, I agree completely with you when it comes to Gruden. I think the NFL needs to be more transparent on the overall report 
that they supposedly got for the this investigation into the Washington football team. So my only addition would be to ask the NFL for more. Oh, I think there's no doubt that we're probably going to see more. I think Demora Smith is involved now claiming that want to see all of the emails that it denotes a pattern of hiring bias in the NFL. And let's not forget there's emails between John Gruden and Bruce Allen to an email address, NFL.com, right, being the end of it, where these are topless photos of Washington Redskins cheerleaders. This is also something that we have on John Gruden's resume at this point now, and so you can best believe that will end up coming again. So I do not believe this is the end of those emails, Chris. I think you're absolutely onto something there. All right, that aside, let's move on to our business. Mr. Williams, I think we have to address something off the top, and you and I are sort of involved in this. Now, I broke much harder on Lamar Jackson than you did, Mr. Williams, but I came out, broke hard against Lamar Jackson, and almost as if he listens to this podcast, Lamar came out and single-handedly just knifed through the heart of my Colts. Now, you know I believe the Colts were going nowhere anyway, but a lot of people were starting to convince themselves the Colts were on the way back until Lamar Jackson went Lamar Jackson. Mr. Williams, your thoughts? Lamar was unbelievable, man. And uh, as a, if you're a Ravens fan, you almost wish that they would go more up-tempo more often because it's evident that teams are forcing – they're taking away the run. But he has obviously improved his passing. And it's – can he keep it up? We'll see. I mean, but he's been awesome this year. So, I guess the next uh, question the doubters will have is can he do it in the playoffs? But, man, he looks – with his arm right now, he looks fantastic. And uh, I, I would actually – hope that Baltimore plays more up tempo going forward uh and more passes on first on the, on early downs too so yeah he's been he's been fantastic man I think you're right I would like to see them play more up tempo as well I think he definitely exceeds that that type of pace um I have been a big Lamar fan since he came into the league of course um this was still his first game of the year with more than one touchdown pass so I know it was phenomenal what he did, and he is great, but I want to see it happen on a more consistent basis. And I think being more up-tempo and, and increasing the pace of their offense will help that. All right, Chris, I'm going to ask you this. How much of a podcast host are you becoming? Did you hate seeing Lamar come back and knife your team because you also try to portray yourself as a Colt fan? Or did you love being like, man, I can rub this in Rod's face because look at Lamar just chewing him up with the pass? I wanted the Colts to win. <laughs> But I wanted Lamar to excel so I could do that. Exactly. So you're becoming the podcast host more and more. That broadcast school is finally starting to pay off. I love it. All right, Mr. Williams, that was I, I kind of hogged the spotlight there and took but That was my big takeaway from the week. What, what was your big takeaway? Man, fourth downs and fourth down efficiencies. We saw one team, the Chargers, be absolutely ridiculous on fourth down uh, in their game against the Browns. And they're actually, if you take away their fake punt from earlier in the year, on like a fourth and 15, that was just a weird, bizarrely uh, called fake punt. If you take away that play, they're eight for eight on fourth downs this year. Like, uh, even I can confess that there there's some regression coming there, and they've been outstanding on third downs also, like ridiculous on third downs. I can't even go eight for eight on Madden on yeah. fourth downs. <laughs> it's crazy. So they were awesome on fourth downs, and then – uh, got to get to my San Francisco 49ers. They were one for five. Of course you for, do. Of course you do. Five. Cue the music, Jimmy. The, 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 the blatant Shanahan talk again. Cue the music. No, I'm taking. I I have to. I have to. You know, hold my own here. They 
They uh, won for five on fourth downs, one for six on fourth downs, and uh, I think all of those were missed in Arizona territory. So, man, that, I, I still feel like they outplayed Arizona, but they did not get the cover. cost me an L. So uh, the two teams going in opposite directions right now. It certainly does seem that way, man. The Cardinals continue to look uh, very good, but they're going to have another test coming up this week. And uh, you teased me in the beginning that that's one of your picks, so we'll we'll get to more talk about them when we get there. But uh, Mr. King, I said the uh, Colts and uh, and Lamar was my takeaway. Uh, what was yours? Um, so I know the Bills have by far the best defense in the league right now, but I want to say that as of right now, the Defensive Player of the Year and the Defensive Rookie of the Year both play in Dallas. And that's Trayvon Diggs and Micah Parsons. And we all know what Diggs has done. He's got six picks now in five games. He's he's now teams have stopped passing to his side of the field. Um, that is a game changer just by himself. That's primetime stuff, baby. That's primetime right? stuff. Right, exactly. But then you have a guy like Micah Parsons. Comes in as a rookie. Has to move around because of injuries and illnesses. Has played defensive end, outside linebacker. Has lined up as a defensive tackle. Has lined up out wide to cover running backs. Plays uh, inside backer off the ball. And he has been phenomenal in every aspect of the game. Whether it's in coverage, blitzing, uh, chasing down running backs on screens he is everywhere on the field and he made it so dallas could literally cut their highest play defensive player that is insane he is an instant impact that's your defensive rookie of the year uh, you know what i mean i want to so badly just scream homer at you right now but i can't <laughs> you know what i mean i just can't right like you got good you got good stats to bat that up and that's true i mean mr williams we're again we're not going to get to the cardinals here but is it possible that the cowboys are the best team in the nfc <laughs> I've got something uh, <laughs> brewing for a, a Cowboys uh, talk later on. Okay. All uh, right. We've got Cowboys coming then too. Listen, I love it. Let's yeah. keep teasing. Make sure the people got to listen to the end. All right. That's good. I, I love it. They so are last good, week, They are good. All right. I like that. I like that. They are one and two. The AFC, I think it's starting to become a little more crystal clear. Chris, you mentioned it there again. The Bills, I think, uh, you know, good luck trying to beat the Bills right now. I just, I don't know what you do with that Buffalo Bills squad. Uh, I don't know what you do if you're the Indianapolis Colts looking for a victory. I don't think they're going to find one. That's a hint to my upset pick of the week, which I want to apologize for because I didn't make one last week. I would have lost it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But speaking of records, Mr. Williams hinted that he was 2-0 and on his props, but he was 1-2 and two on picks, bringing him to an overall record of 9-6 and six on the year. Still winning money, though. We're still winning money. We got two 1-2 weeks back-to-back. Mr. Williams, we're going to heat it up this week, right? Oh, yeah. I'm feeling good about the picks. All right, what do we got for pick one? All right, we're going to start off. You're going to say I'm crazy. I'm going against the only undefeated team left in the NFL. I'm taking Cleveland minus three against Arizona. Uh, minus 115 on MGM right now. If you Hopefully, if you listen to this, it's still uh, minus three because on FanDuel and DraftKings, it's bumped up to minus three and a half. There's some sharp money coming in on Cleveland. Um, I mean, like <clears throat> Zona's net success rate. I'm mean, going to get a little nerdy here with numbers. Zero point zero, which is 16th in the NFL. So from a down to down perspective, the Cards are playing to an average level in the NFL. Now, from a net yards perspective, they're playing at a top five level in the league. 
but those numbers eventually have to meet up at some point and down to down success rate is more indicative of, of where the true talent of a team is. And when you look at the Browns, they're plus 8% in a net success rate. That's third in the league and they're plus 1.2 yards per play. Good enough for second in the league. So uh, I feel like uh, the Browns are legit, uh, a legit top three, four team here. Well, here's so, my nerdy Brown stat that'll back you up there, right? I mean, I think it's insane that the Browns lost that game to the Chargers and they were the first team in NFL history to score over 40 points and have no turnovers and lose. I mean, that's just good, right? I'm, don't worry about the loss. 40 points and no turnovers. You want to do that as often as you can. Yeah, and that was a week after I was bragging about how good the Chargers D was. <laughs> they give up 42 points, but they still win. <laughs> they still win, but yeah, uh, the Browns are impressive on the ground. And that's where the cards uh, struggle. The, the Arizona is allowing over five yards per carry. There's going to be no Chandler Jones in this game. And, uh, I mean, I just think that there's also going to be supposedly going to be wind uh, in this in this game, up to 20% wind gusts. Uh, and you got a West Coast team traveling three time zones. Uh, it's all it's all lining up for Cleveland uh, to cover this game minus three. There's also a former uh, San Fran secondary coach, Joe Woods, is now the DC in Cleveland. The very first meeting versus Kyler last year, um, he was held to 4.3 yards per attempt in the first three quarters, and then even in their second matchup, uh, the Niners held Kyler to 3.7 yards per attempt. So this this Browns D is better than what it showed last week. They had some. Ooh, injuries. the Kyler stopper! You're telling me the Browns DC might be the yeah. Kyler stopper. I mean, Kyler is amazing, but we saw Kyler kind of get banged up there late in the game uh, last week. So, um, you know, I just no, I, I just like feel it. like Listen, this I is back a good, you on this. This I is a good matchup for Cleveland. I like the Browns. Chris, where are you at on this? What do you think? So yeah, I one of my biggest stats ever is West Coast team traveling to the East Coast. Um, they have horrible luck doing that. That being said, Arizona's a good team. That is a great offense. Cleveland has a two-headed monster in Chubb and Hunt, and this leads me right to uh, one of my prop bets this week. Nice. Um, Look at you. Look at you. I think both these offenses are great. I think both offenses are going to try to come out the gate and score early, and that's why I would be taking the over on total points scored at 9.5. In the first quarter. Nice. All right. Yep. You're taking the first first quarter. You're just boom, fireworks coming first out. First quarter, I, I would not be surprised if you see it be 14-7 or, you know, 10-17, something crazy. I think you're going to see a lot of points early in that game. I do think – Well, Thursday night football game, which is being held right now as we record, is 14-7. It's not even the end of the first quarter there. So you could be <laughs> yeah. onto something. Yeah. So I say over the nine and a half points in the first quarter. You can find that on DraftKings. All right, I like that. That's a good prop. Mr. Williams, you got a prop coming out of this game? I don't, but I will say one other thing here. Uh, Zona's going to be without uh, the pro bowler Rodney Hudson at center and their tight end Max Williams, who just actually had a pretty good game. And like I said before, we saw Kyler kind of massage his shoulder there, so we're not sure if he's 100%. Uh, Also, we've mentioned this on the show, Baker has had a tough time uh, with pressure. It's gotten even worse this year. Passer rating 75 points lower when he's pressured compared to when he's in a clean pocket. But the good thing about that, Zona is only 24th in pressure rate and no Chandler Jones. I think just this sets up very well for Cleveland this week, minus three. 
All right, there you go. Listen, you you had me, man. I was with you, but there you, you came in here like you just you, you were doing extra beat down even after the bell is rung right there, Williams. That was some good stuff right there. What's pick number two? All right, Chris is not going to like this. I'm taking Belichick and the Patriots plus three and a half. Love it. Over his Cowboys. In your face, Chris. (laughs) Minus 115 on MGM. Cowboys can still win and the Patriots cover. For sure. For sure, yeah. Uh, This is another one where you want to get the hook. And for some reason, MGM has been slow at moving their lines. This is another one where DK and FanDuel have already moved this line to minus three. This was up to minus this was up minus four earlier in the week. So there's been some sharp money coming in on New England. Uh, the Cowboys are five and zero against the spread this year. They're feeling good. They're coming off a big division win. They've got their bye after this game, and that's actually a concern for me if I'm a Cowboys fan because. McCarthy tends to be a bit of an, I don't know, an undisciplinary coach. He may not have this Cowboys team fully concentrated and mentally prepared for this out-of-conference road game before their bye. And I think that there's inf- there, I think there's an inflation in the market on this Cowboys team. And, and it has something to do with how bad the Patriots played last week. It could, that's an easy letdown spot for the Patriots after playing their Super Bowl against Brady and then having to play Houston the following week. But listen to these stats here. Road favorites after three straight home games are only 20-35-1 against the spread since 03. That's Dallas this week. That's 36%. After multiple wins in a row at home, which Dallas has, 9-21 and against the spread. That's 30%. Then you go over to Belichick. Belichick 28-13-2 and and as a dog since 03. That's a 68% winning clip. And he's covering by six points per game. Home underdog since 2000, Belichick 15-4 and four against the spread, 79%. You want some Halloween Bill stats? Because who thinks Halloween fun and, <laughs> and, and you don't think Belichick? October, Absolutely. October Bill, 51-23-3 against the spread, 69%. That is very nice for Bill in the month of October. That's his best month is October. Nice. You just put on an audio costume right there for the podcast while you did that. You I go. love that. <laughs> The Cowboys D, I will give Chris credit. They are really good, but uh, they are bottom five in pressure rate and adjusted sack rate on defense. They've had a lot of turnover luck. Now, I'll give them credit. They've, they have forced it, but what these stats have said in, in previous years going back decades is it's hard to predict turnovers. Now, I will agree with Chris. I think Diggs is, is the defensive player of the year. And I think Parsons could very well be the you know the rookie of the year. I don't think uh, Belichick's going to let Mac Jones even throw on the other side of the field where Diggs is at. They're going to treat that like Revis Island, and they're just I mean, go ahead and take away Jacoby Myers. Okay, we're just going to run all over you. So I think there's a ton of regression coming to this Cowboys D. There's a huge coaching advantage and a huge special teams advantage here for the Pats. I like the Pats plus three and a half at home against Dallas. Now, I, I, like I said, Dallas can still win, and Patriots can cover the spread. I would like to point out a couple things, though. You gave us a whole lot of stats on Belichick covering the spread since 03 and then in the month of October, but there's one big difference. There's no Tom Brady. I think that's a big thing. I don't think Mac Jones is a quarterback that can necessarily beat the Cowboys. If there's a letdown, I can see it happening, but I don't think you can count out the offense of Dallas, you know, scoring 
less than 23 points. And I don't see the Patriots being able to score more than 26. So, I mean, that's kind of where I see it. I don't think the Patriots will win. It'll be tough for them to cover that spread. Uh, But they can still cover it, and Dallas still win. And if that happens, that's great. All right, but are you at least willing to see that there is a coaching advantage in, in favor of the Patriots? Okay, yes. Bill Belichick is a great coach. Uh, Williams did bring up McCarthy getting the team up for this type of game. I would be willing to say I don't think McCarthy does much. Um, Kellen Moore runs the offense, how he wants to run it with his offense. Uh, <laughs> the defense is ran by Quinn and uh, how he wants it, and so – there's not much for McCarthy to do or that he has to do except for keep the locker room happy, essentially. And He's the decider. That's, that's a pretty pretty easy job. I mean, the Cowboys are a well-oiled machine right now. I just All right, all right, all right. That that's enough Cowboy talk. That's enough Cowboy talk. When you start going well-oiled machine on me, that's when it's time to move on. We're moving on from the Cowboys talk. Mr. Williams, what do you got for pick three? Yeah, and I'm with Chris. I, I'm a big fan of Kellen Moore as, as the offensive coordinator there. Like I said, I, the Cowboys are a really good team. I just think this is a tough Enough Cowboys. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Yeah. All right. My third pick. I don't have a big belt buckle on. I don't have a cowboy <laughs> hat on, all right? There are no boots on my feet. We're not in Dallas. There should be. No steers? No steers around? Okay. No. All right, my third pick. I'm going Raiders team total under. 20 points you can find that on FanDuel minus 110 against Denver or you can actually go and take under 20 and a half on MGM depending on your risk tolerance if you want that half a hook and pay an extra 10 cents go at it uh the Raiders the last two weeks 14 points against the Chargers nine points against the Bears you know they've lost their offensive play caller that was I mean we give Gruden a lot of grief and and obviously you know with the emails is terrible. What, whatever, you know, what he did. And, and we always got on him for game management. I mean, his, his clock, the way he worked the clock was terrible. Um, some of his decision-making like involved in the GM room was terrible. But one thing Gruden was very good at was like creating an offensive scheme and uh, uh, putting Carr in good situations to succeed. That's gone now. And there's really nobody on that coaching staff that can replace uh, his play calling. I mean, they've got Gus Bradley, uh, who's a really good defensive coordinator, and they just, uh, you know, promoted the special teams coach. He's 61 years old. I've never really heard of him. I, I don't really uh, envision him being a, a super inventive, you know, play caller. So uh, you're going up against uh, this Broncos team who, you know, we just saw the Bears limit this Raiders uh, offense to nine points. Uh, Sean Desai is the new defense coordinator for the Bears. He's a Vic Fangio disciple. So he's running all kinds of weird formations out there. The Bears actually basically ran three safeties, three corners, one linebacker, and four defensive linemen for a majority of that Raiders game, and it worked beautifully. Uh, The NFL team that has the most depth in their secondary is the Denver Broncos. So don't think that Fangio didn't watch that tape. And he already knows, you know, uh, some of the stuff that that Desai that ha- has has brought out there. So I think this I think this is a this is a great spot for Denver to get back on track at home and to limit uh, the Raiders under twenty points offensively. 
Put me on record as fading you. I'm going for the dead coach bounce here. All right. I'm going for the dead coach bounce. We got the interim in. We got the longtime assistant, right? This guy's been an assistant at lots of different places. He's a special teams coach, which means everybody probably likes him, you know, because he's a guy who's got to have a hand in, in every position. I'm going with the dead coach bounce. Raiders win. Yeah. And, and that is a popular, I get that angle for a lot of teams that fire their coach. And believe me, once, uh, Urban Meyer gets fired or he just ups and leaves because he can't take it anymore. I'm going to be all over Jacksonville because that team has lost confidence, lost all kinds of respect for him, um, you know, a month ago. So I, I totally get that angle for like, I'd say a Jacksonville, but this happens so abruptly that, and like I say, th- this, them losing the play calling, I think is a bigger deal than, than the team just rallying around and, and they have to go up against a good defense too. So normally I'm with you on here, but this one, I, I don't, I don't see it. All right. That's why you're the handicapper and you're better at this than I am. Uh, Chris, what what are your thoughts on it? I kind of see Las Vegas being in disarray. Um, I definitely see them regressing. I don't, I think Denver covers wins easily. Is Teddy two gloves playing in this game? I believe so. As of right now, he's looking like he'll play. Yeah. Uh, well, if Teddy Two Gloves is in it, then maybe not. That was another reason why I thought the Raiders might get the dead coach bounce because I thought we were still getting uh, – I don't even know what that dude's name is. Drew Locke? I thought we were still getting Drew Locke. That guy's not any good. But if Teddy Two Gloves is playing, perhaps Williams and Chris are right that the Raiders are just in a bit of disarray because it, uh, it was certainly abrupt but uh, necessary. So uh, we got one prop from uh, Mr. King out of the way. Uh, but you, Chris, went just one and one, and I decreed that if we had another 500 week that you were going to have to pick three props. So here we go. So give us your, your, your second and third prop. Yeah, I do have uh, three props. Uh the, my, of course, I already gave you the first one, you know, over the nine and a half first quarter points in the Arizona-Cleveland game. Um, I'm going to go to the Baltimore Chargers game. This is another West Coast team traveling to the East Coast. Um, I think you do see a little bit of regression on Lamar uh, this week. I don't think you'll see 400 yards and four touchdowns. I do think, though, that you'll see over one and a half touchdown passes, and you can find that on Caesars at minus 150. I, I do think you'll see him get a couple touchdown passes. Brown is becoming a premier wide receiver in the NFL. I think he'll find him a couple times. All right, I like it. You got two of your props out of the way. Mr. Williams, you went 2-0 and oh on props last week, so we'll see how long you get to keep just having to pick two props. So you either got to go 0-2 oh and two or 2-0. Two and oh. So here we go, bud. Which which way are you trying to go? Are you going to try to go 0-2 oh or are you going to try to go 2-0? and oh? <laughs> I'm not trying for the booby prize. I'm, I'm going to try and go 2-0. and oh. All right. Uh, uh let's take under 67 and a half rushing and receiving yards for the running back for the chiefs daryl williams you can find Darn it at, i just picked him up in fantasy <laughs> well uh, this is a numbers play here it's minus 110 on mgm and the number here is 67 and a half which is the same exact number on dk but when you look at when you look at his rushing and receiving props individually on DK, the total only adds up to 63. So when you take this combined on MGM, you're getting four and a half yards of value. That might not sound like a lot, but for a prop that, that kind of is. And I just think that this team, the mar- the prop market is not giving enough credit to Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon's going to be in there uh, on third downs. And honestly, I mean <laughs> – this Washington secondary is flat out horrific. I don't think Mahomes is going to, you know, have to throw or 
you know, hand off to Daryl Williams that much in this game. I think they're going to shred it uh, all up and down that field. These both these teams play fast. I think there's. I think this is going to be a shootout here, um, and in a shootout, a lot of a lot of guys get gassed, so a lot of more uh, substitutions. I think Jarek McKinnon plays a little bit more in this game than what the prop market is saying. So I'll take the under combined. Uh, Daryl Williams has sixty-seven and a half rushing and receiving. Love it, absolutely love it. Because I I just thought to myself that even if he gets sixty-seven yards or sixty-six, that's still a pretty decent fantasy score for me. So I'll take it, Mister King. What's yeah. your final prop? Okay, for this final prop, I I went a little bit uh, Williams on this. All right, let me give you let me give you some stats, and this is going to be uh, a Packers Bears game. This is uh, something that we shout well, out you, Ed and Jose. Yeah, you Bear fans out there love this game and hate this game all at the same time. And let's just say Aaron Rodgers is a bear killer. All right, like he has won I think twenty of his last twenty five games against the Bears. Did you hear that? Um, Bears. Now you're putting the whole station in jeopardy. <laughs> okay, so what I'm going with is the over on longest completion for Aaron Rodgers at 36 and a half yards. Ooh. Um, <laughs> all right, so so not only it, it does Rodgers just own the Bears all the time in, in, in regular season games, but he has – uh, cashed four straight longest competition completion props and six of the last seven. So he likes to throw and he likes to throw deep, and I think he's going to tear the Bears up. I think it's going to be he's going to have a, a long reception to somebody, and it's going to be over thirty six and a half yards. All right, Mr. Williams, it's only fair that he comes after your Bears a little bit the way you came after his Cowboys. Yeah, it is. And Rodgers, 10-3 and three against the spread versus the Bears in his last 13. 10-3 straight up. Rodgers has killed the Bears. And Jalen Johnson for the Bears has been fantastic this year, the, the, uh, the young cornerback. But he doesn't travel. He doesn't shadow, or at least he hasn't yet. So the thinking is, is that Devontae Adams is going to be – they're going to put Devontae Adams on the other side, and Adams is going to eat against uh, you know Kendall Vildor and those other – cornerbacks on that side so as much as i hate to say this it's probably decent weather too that's probably a good prop there look out i love it coming together all right there we go that's uh and then Mr. williams you gotta give us your final prop right <laughs> yes and i feel like this is gonna tie in to your upset pick you're gonna hate this okay I, i'm going to go carson wentz over 233 and a half passing yards versus the Houston Texans. We saw Trevor Lawrence put up 332 on Houston. We saw Sam Darnold put up over 300. We saw Josh Allen in a blowout put up over 245 on this Houston team. And I think this game, and you might be going here. I, I, I might be wrong. I don't know. I think this game is going to be closer than what most people think. I'm much oh, higher. Yeah. I'm much higher on the Colts than you are. Look, You're I get wrong. I get the frustration that you had last week, and they can't lose that game. No, no, no. Don't just say yeah. last week. Say all year, basically. All I've been year. down on the Colts all year. I've been right on them so far. But Rod, we we went we we planned this uh this their schedule out. We said that you they did could go, say that you did you did. But, I wasn't with you, but you did say that. But no, we we both said that you know they could go one and four here. They could go. We we both said if they, if they go two and three right here. Right, but I said be it because good. I knew they were bad. You said it just because you thought it was a tough schedule. Right, right. So, and listen, I know you don't want to hear this, but I'm just going to say this. 
the Rams, really good team. They they could have easily won that game. Baltimore, if if you have a healthy kicker, you put up 30 points on Baltimore, you should win that game. So long season. Um, I still think the Colts are pretty good. But this is a very tough spot, and here's why. They might be in the toughest spot coming off coming off a game uh, out of anybody this year. At the Monday night teams, the the if you pull the if you pull the NFL coach, what the, the the thing that they hate the most is coming off a road Monday night game because it gives them essentially thirty six less hours to prep for the next week. Road Monday night teams have lost the last three games this year. Also, teams that have played Baltimore. Baltimore's a very physical run team. You're chasing around Lamar all game as the Colts' defense was gassed. The last three teams to play Baltimore, the following week, they all lost. So the Colts are like double whammy right here. They they played Baltimore, and they played on Monday night. So this is going to be a tough game against Houston. I'm saying that all for Carson Wentz might have to throw in the fourth quarter. He should he should fly over this 233-and-a-half yard, uh, yardage prop. Listen, that's fine. He can fly over the yardage all he wants. The Colts are the team from hell team, right? They, they, they didn't have a huge margin for error anyway based on some of their talent, based on some of their decisions, like re-signing T.Y. Hilton and not just trying to do something better in the wide receiving core, not trying to do something better at quarterback than Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson going down, the line being way out of it at the beginning of the year, all the above. The Colts are the team from hell team, and Frank Reich makes some of the craziest decisions I've ever seen out of a coach. He just figures out ways to lose ball games for the Colts, and no, I'm going the other way. Give me Houston here. Absolutely. Give me Houston all day. The Colts' woes continue. Ursay's tweeting crazy stuff, dude. Things are getting nutty in Indy. Give me Houston all day. That's my hot rod upset special of the week. If they can find a way to win this game, which sounds crazy because Houston's 0-5, that in three weeks they will be in first place. I don't doubt it. Listen, our, our guy's coming back, right? Tyrod, he's coming back. In Tyrod, we trust. He's going to come back. He's going to right the ship. This Houston Texans no, I, is a rocket ship, folks. Get on board. I'm saying the Colts are going to be in first place. No, they absolutely are not. <laughs> You're, that's crazy talk. That's absolute crazy look, talk. Look at their schedule. And the, the, the big the big game is three weeks from now against Tennessee at home. In Tennessee, I do not see a t- I don't see a team that's going to make the plays necessary to win ball games. You can sit here and tell me all you want about close games this and tough opponents that. What I see is a team that is incapable of making the plays that win ball games. Hey, they're coming off a lot of COVID, coming off a lot of injuries. I think the offense showed some signs last week. I thought Wentz actually played decent. So, uh, with how many of those dudes kicker. are unvaccinated, they should have just had a COVID party at the beginning <laughs> of the year and just gotten that thing over with. With how many of them dudes are running around unvaccinated? Hey, but Tennessee, the next two weeks, they got to play Buffalo and Kansas City, then the big game at Indy. Tell me what, man. This, this AFC South race is so intriguing. No, it's not. It's definitely not intriguing. And I hate the fact that I'm trying to give up on the Colts. You won't let me, and you keep telling me that they're maybe even going to still win this division. It's ridiculous. Chris, I'm angry. You're always angry, and you're always angry at the teams you love. That's true. <laughs> We're even going to hit baseball real quick on the way out, and I'm going to do some more. All I'm going to say is that Williams is kind of right. I see good things. We are competitive in these games. We're not getting laughed out of stadiums. You know, we're 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 staying competitive. There are games we should have won that we didn't. Go buy everybody a daily bar then, Chris. This is the NFL, which stands for not for long if you keep playing garbage games like that. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a t-shirt. Go buy yourself a daily bar. <laughs>
right? I'm just I'm just saying that the AFC South is kind of a dumpster fire. And it is really possible for anybody to still win. Maybe not Jacksonville, but anybody to still win that division. All right, fine. AFC South dumpster fire. That's a t-shirt. Cut it right now. We are going to touch on baseball on the way out, and it's apropos that I'm fired up because that was the only thing I wanted to mention about baseball. I made a solemn promise to you, faithful Balls and Brew listeners, that I was done with baseball, and I kept my promise. The minute Tom Ricketts traded away Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, all in the same day, I did not watch baseball anymore. I cut the MLB app from my phone. I was out and over and done with. But we are in the midst of the playoffs, so we're inundated with baseball everywhere. Frankly, the only time that the national media is inundated with baseball now, which is when the playoffs come around. Baseball, you should think about that. But I can't help but notice... The Red Sox are around and playing, and playing first base for the Red Sox is none other than Kyle Schwarber, who I understand was not someone who was traded at the deadline, but was somebody that could have easily been re-signed by the Chicago Cubs instead of being allowed to go on and play somewhere else. I see Chris Bryant playing for the San Francisco Giants, maybe on his way to another NLCS and possibly another World Series. Oh yeah, would you want to keep around a guy like Chris Bryant that plays this well in the postseason? Apparently not, because the Cubs traded him. So once again, I just want to double down and say how ridiculous it is that Tom Ricketts had baseball players as good as ones who are showing up in the postseason and decided nah, I'm good. But Cub fans, I'm still going to keep charging you guys some of the highest ticket prices in all of Major League Baseball, because isn't it cool that I made Wrigley look like a minor league stadium? Just ridiculous that the Cubs are nowhere to be thought of in this postseason, and they should have been a powerhouse, and Ricketts has completely squandered it away. Chris, since I talked about baseball, I guess I'm going to let you talk about baseball as we close out here, and I know Williams has a cool stat for us. Yeah, so I'm kind of with you. I lost a lot of interest in baseball after the fire sale to the Cubs, which I was absolutely kind of disgusted by, but... There is a bright, shining light in baseball. And unfortunately, we can't see him in the postseason because his team kind of does suck. But I'm talking about Shohei Otani. I cannot believe you're going Otani again. It's the postseason. The Angels aren't even in it. You're still going Otani. This is the other problem for baseball. People don't want to acknowledge that he is by far the best player in baseball and deserves the MVP. A guy who started 23 games for his team only lost twice. Has a 3.1 ERA, plus he hit 46 home runs, had 100 RBIs, led the league in extra base hits. The guy is a monster. He's a once-in-a-generation type talent. People need to see it for what he is. The Angels need to build up a team around him now, and he is by far the best thing happening in baseball, even if he's not in the postseason. Balls and Brew listeners, I want want to apologize. I thought me doing my Cubs rant was going to open up to Chris, the old man of this podcast who tried to convince me that we should talk about baseball every once in a while. I honestly had no idea that Chris has now gone full Wu-Tang and just has a bit where he's only going to bring up Shohei Otani when baseball comes up. I I really, I apologize. I really do. I don't, I don't apologize at all. (laughs) He's the best player. Goodness gracious. Well, what about Mike Trout? He's pretty good. He's in the same stinking team, man. So good luck having yep. the Angels put anything around Shohei Otani. So you, you go ahead and keep having your bit with Shohei, and I'll keep having my bit when I'm angry at the Cubs. Mr. Williams, give, give us something other than Shohei Otani stats, please. <laughs> Shohei is awesome. He's going to win AL MVP. But 
Back to the former Cubs, you forgot one. Jock Peterson actually hit a home run with Anthony Rizzo's bat the other night for the Braves. We could have a Jock Peterson versus Chris Bryant NLCS. Hopefully one of those teams will play against the Bo Sox and one of my favorite players of all time, Kyle Schwarber. That would be awesome. But I have an unbelievable stat for you guys. The L.A. Dodgers won 106 games this year. They went over their win total by one game. That's not the stat. They have been favorites in their games for 93 straight games. They have been favorites. That is unheard of. So they're favorites in game five, are they? <laughs> oh, I'm, Actually, I'm not sure about tonight. I'm not sure about tonight. But up until then, up until here, they've been 90, 93 straight times in a row. And 282 out of the last 286 games, they've been favorites. That is wow. unbelievable, man. I, I can't believe that in baseball. Where Dude, just think how so good they'd be if they had Shohei Otani. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Right, they would have won 116. They'd be, they'd be hosting this wild card game instead of instead of visiting San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, That's listen, it. listeners, again, I'm going to let you guys behind the curtain. I let Chris know early this week that we were talking <laughs> baseball, and I really thought he was going to come with something about the teams that were playing. I really do apologize. Chris, I love you to death, and I'm not mad, but I really – I thought that was going another way. Listen, I knew you were going to talk about a team that's not in the playoffs, so I wanted to talk about somebody that wasn't but in the But I was at least talking about players that are in the playoffs related to the team. <laughs> Chris is talking about the 2022 playoffs. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what we can do right now? I'll tell you. Shohei Otani's not going to be in them. <laughs> Probably not, unless unless the Angels do something drastic. All right. Well, here's what I will do. That's that's not going to happen because they never traded Mike Trout. Here's what I will do. I can promise you that next week we will have Mr. Williams's picks. And I think I'm announcing this to Jimmy, and he's not going to be happy about it. But I think we're going to have to have two episodes next week. I think we're going to have to have our football picks, and we'll try to pare that down a little bit. And then we're going to also have to have a separate episode, Chris, where we do some NBA talk. The NBA season kicks off next week. Yep. Yep. I'm excited. All right, so we're going to do that, and I believe I made contact with one Matt Wu-Tang Kazerski up in the land of cheese, Wisconsin. He says he should be able to join us at the beginning of next week, so we could be getting Wu-Tang. I also made confirmation with our other favorite basketball guest, Father Pete, and we will be having him at the end of October, right around Halloween time. What do you think of that, Chris? Oh, I love it every time Father Pete comes on the pod. Absolutely. So that's all coming up. We'll have Williams' picks next week as well. And uh, Jimmy and I will probably be talking about some wrestling also because uh, next week we got a, uh, a pay-per-view that's happening at 1 o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday because that's the kind of thing you have to do when you decide to have a pay-per-view in Saudi Arabia. So Jimmy and I will have plenty to say about that. Thanks for sticking around for this episode of Balls and Brew. Until next week, the final word goes to Mr. King. Goodbye, Internet. <laughs>